0: Good evening, uh, welcome to our service here this evening, welcome if you're a visitor, if you're here always, or if you're online, it's good to have you joining with us this evening to worship together. Well our title for this evening is Going Forward in Holiness, so let's start with some words from uh, Paul as he's wrote to Titus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us Well, let's begin uh, singing and let's sing our first hymn. Oh, for a heart to praise my God, a heart from sin set free, a heart that always feels thy blood so freely shed for me. Well, if you remember back before the summer, in the spring, uh, we were looking, beginning to look at the letter of Paul to the Corinthians, the second letter, and we found so many uh, useful things for us there to learn from Paul, and uh, after our summer break, we're heading back there this evening in Chapter 5. Just to refresh, perhaps, your memory, a couple of the titles, uh, we had a few of them, Help in Hard Times, Mercy for the Lowest, Confident in our message, pearls, pots, and power, heading home, and motivated messengers. Perhaps that uh, rings a few bells for you. But this evening we are reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're going to start reading from verse 16 to 7, verse 4. Please use your Bibles or it's on the screen to follow along. This is the word of God, let's hear it. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honour and dishonour, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, saying, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Well, let's stand again and sing, Take Time to Be Holy. Speak oft with your Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. Make friends with God's children. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. Let's pray together. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, help us as we come to pray now. Lord, we are deeply thankful for your love and your mercy toward us, that while we were lost in our sin, you sent your Son to be our Saviour. Lord, how wonderful is your grace, that while we were dead in trespasses and sins, you are the one who made us alive. Lord, how we praise you for sending your son. How we praise you that you have amazing grace and mercy toward us. Lord, we thank you for that. And as we live our Christian lives, we are becoming more and more aware, uh, not how good we are at being a Christian, but more and more aware of how much we need your grace. How much we long for a heart set free from sin. And left to our own resources and our own abilities, we fail at every hurdle and we wander astray. We have nothing within us that would seek after you. And Lord, we pray for the nature of Jesus. We pray for his grace to be imprinted on our hearts. We pray for his character and the fruits of the Spirit to be greatly alive in us. As we live our Christian lives, help us to depend wholly and completely upon you for that. Lord, as we look back over this past week, we confess that we have uh, taken a break from the battle at times. We have had our eyes off your word and your truth. Our focus has been more towards this world than your glory. We have once again fallen into sin where we are weak We have fallen so far short of your standards. And we thank you not only for your saving grace, but for your restoring grace. How patient you are with us. You took us on knowing that we would struggle. You took us on knowing that we would fail. And yet your grace is freely available to each one of us. However many times we have sinned, as we have tried to perform well as a Christian and failed, you have, in your wonderful grace, cleared up the trail left behind us and in amazing love you call us your children you haven't finished with us yet but you're working in us to sanctify us you're working in us to make us more ready for your kingdom and so Lord would you continue that work Lord as we bow before you this evening and worship you in thankfulness help us to recommit To redevote our lives to you, our affections, our ambitions. Help us to be all surrendered to the kingdom of God, which is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Lord, encourage each one of us, we pray. We pray for those who don't know you, and Lord, we may be here this evening, perhaps. In our families we have prodigals who have have left uh, the Lord and have wandered away, who have run after the world as though the greatest treasure is to be found there. Maybe years ago, maybe more recently. And Lord, as you as in the parable of the prodigal son, we pray that they will come to their senses. Lord, we pray that where we can't reach them, the light of your gospel will shine into their darkness we pray that you'll seek them as the shepherd looking for the lost sheep to bring them back to the fold Lord what a great savior you are and we thank you that you are the author of salvation you are the the beginner and the finisher the completer of your great work and it gives us great hope because we know that you plan to save many people You plan to bring many people into your kingdom to worship you. And Lord, as the gospel is preached today in this country and abroad and as far as the world reaches, we ask that many people will come into your kingdom. Lord, raise people to life. Give them uh, eternal life, we pray, as they put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for gospel preachers. We pray for gospel missionaries. Lord, we ask that you will help them to remain faithful to the truth of your word. We pray for preachers who are looking to preach a more politically correct, a more palatable gospel which will end in nothing because it is false and it is lies. And so to that end we pray that your people will be confident in your truth, will proclaim it unashamedly because though time passes on and Fads come and go, your word remains the same, and its truth can be fully relied on. Lord, give us the greatest confidence in your word as we share the gospel with others. Help us in love to share the good news with those around us. Lord, I thank you for the time we had last Tuesday, and I pray for our men in this church. Lord, I pray that you would equip them and strengthen them in your truth. So that as individuals, as husbands, as fathers, Lord, they will be greatly strengthened to love you, to serve you, to live the gospel in their families and to draw people to you. Lord, do you strengthen us, we pray. There is so much to, cha- to tempt us away from you. There is so much to distract us from what, where our focus should be. Help us, Lord, in that we pray. And Lord, I pray for the women too. We pray for the retreat coming up this week. We pray that will be a great time of encouragement for them as they meet together. Lord, we ask that you'll bless them. Thank you for the great role that women play with in the church. And Lord, we thank you so much for them. And we ask that you'd greatly bless them. Many of them are mums. We ask that you'll give them great patience and great gentleness and love for their children. With so many things to organize and sort out, we pray that you'll give them energy and help them. And Lord, as parents, help us to live the gospel to our children. Help us to show them what it is to live by grace. Help us to show them what it is to live a life seeking to please God in response for his wonderful love towards us. Lord, we pray for our different work situations. We think of those who are involved in teaching children. We especially pray for Kate and Becky, Becca, in their um, leading schools. We pray to you for James at Firma. Lord, help them with the constant pressure that comes, uh, especially at this time teaching children, managing staff, managing parents. Lord, greatly strengthen them physically and mentally, emotionally, And Lord, may they know most of all that you're with them. We pray for those who work in the healthcare, give them great compassion for those in need and a love. Lord, for those of us who are employed, help us to do everything as unto the Lord. Help us to be a great example of what it is to be honest, to be hardworking, to be doing our best, to be charitable. considerate of others, help those who employ, help them to be good at fairness and reasonableness. Lord, we pray that whatever situation we're in, whether we're retired, Lord, help us to use the short time that you've given us in ways that will honour you and be faithful to you. Lord, we pray for our young people and thank you so much for them. We pray for our students who have have gone away from us, do watch over them, bless them Lord we pray, make them really useful if they've been able to settle into churches, to Christian unions. Lord we pray for those who may have left here, we pray that if they don't know you that it will be a time where they find the Lord Jesus Christ during this period in their life. We pray for young people starting jobs or having a year exams ahead of them or looking for work or trying to decide what to do in the future. Lord, I pray that you'll greatly bless them and that early in life they would devote their lives to serving you in whatever that way may be. Lord, we we need you every hour. We need you to strengthen us. We need you to save us. We need you to keep us. And Lord, would you do that, we pray. We're thankful again, Lord, for James and Rachel. We thank you for the prayers answered for Jacob in providing employment for him and accommodation. And we ask that when the time comes, that will uh, work out really well for him, that it will give uh, James and Rachel a great peace of mind as well. Lord, do bless them as they get back into work in Cyprus. Help them with everything that's caught up while they've been away. Help them to settle back in and to know your strength day by day. So, Lord, each of us have different needs and concerns. Lord, help us to rely on you and to put our trust in you. We're so thankful for the way that you provide for us in our lives. And we praise you for that. Help us now as John preaches to us from this passage in your word. Open our ears, open our hearts. Give us a willingness in our hearts, Lord, to be moulded by your truth. Where we need to change, give us grace and strength to do that. May we be encouraged in your word, we pray. Amen. Well, let's stand to sing another song. And it's a, it's serious business when we open God's word. Think about it. It is God's message to us. He has so much to say. And um, let's sing this and pray this together. Now in reverence and awe we gather around your word. In wonder we draw near to mysteries that angels strain to hear.
1: that good prayer that we have just sung in mind. Shall we turn to God's Word? We're in 2 Corinthians, largely chapter 6 this evening, so if you've got a Bible, uh, it'd be good to have it open um, so that you can follow what's being said. Now I remember uh, when I was in Human Resources, which is quite a long time ago now, uh, was working with a team that had had a, a turbulent time. And we had a a series, a pair really of away afternoons some months apart and uh, the title, the theme of those away afternoons stay in my mind. The first one was called Back on Track and the second one was called Full Steam Ahead. Back on Track, Full Steam Ahead. Well, in a way, those two titles are quite a summary of the situation at 2 Corinthians, that we find in 2 Corinthians. And they're certainly a good summary of what we're looking at this evening, as we are largely in chapter 6 of this letter. I nearly had a, a nice steam train as my picture but given the talk about the environment this morning I thought it might seem slightly inconsistent so we, we just have a, a plain track the title is going forward in holiness but two thoughts behind it are back on track and full steam ahead so we've had quite a gap as we're reminded since we were last in 2 Corinthians um, the last night we were in 2 Corinthians was the night that England were playing in the Euro finals and I remember emphasising how much more important it was to be thinking of the reconciling work of Christ on the cross than that particular football match, however much we're into football. So maybe you're remembering that 2 Corinthians 5, the way that matched and we were looking at God's reconciling work on the cross, a message for the whole world. Well, as we come back to it, we're still in the first batch of chapters, chapters 1 to 7. The Corinthians had been uh, enticed by uh, the razzle-dazzle teachers, if you like, who thought a lot of themselves and who thought very little of Paul and his message of the gospel. They were all about good impression, uh, good appearance. Uh, But their teaching was not the true gospel. In fact, later on, Paul says that they taught another Jesus. Well, in the main, uh, Corinth was now back on board with the gospel. Uh, There had been a turning around and a coming back. Uh, We'll find out more about that next time as we go in properly into chapter 7. Paul is seeking to confirm them, in the truth, in the real gospel, and to advance them in the pathway of holiness and devotion to God. But the old influences were not totally kicked into touch. There was still a menace, and they were still affecting a number of people on the scene, as we see from today. So today is about the church being fully on board with the gospel, and going forward, back on track, full steam ahead. The chapter is open, it's personal, uh, it's sometimes emotional, and we found that about 2 Corinthians, that it is a, an open, personal, quite emotional letter that we're looking at this evening, which has an extra power in itself. Two questions will help us uh, uh, as a church as we're thinking about what we're looking at this evening Are we fully behind the gospel? Are we going forward in holiness? Back on track, full steam ahead. They're good questions for us as individuals as well. Are you fully behind the gospel? Are you going forward in holiness? That's where he wants to get them to, by the first verse of chapter 7, where we end up, and there it says... Since we have all these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So there were still, if you like, some debris on the track, things that were in the way. These needed to be dealt with. And as we go through this chapter, we come up with five things. Five things which are being urged, And five things that will help us to get back on track, to get full steam ahead. And this is the first. Get right. Get right. The first message is get right. Our first two verses... Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, are linked with the end of chapter 5. It's quite difficult to know where to stop and start in 2 Corinthians. There's lots of bridges. It doesn't sort of easily chop up. Uh, And and the end of chapter 5 rolls into the beginning of chapter 6. That's why we had some of chapter 5 read to us in our reading. Uh, And in some ways, these verses seem strange, because after all, he is talking to a, a church. And yet at the end of chapter 5, he was appealing uh, uh, to them to get reconciled to God. So verse 20 of chapter 5, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Get right with God. Get right. Get right with God. Be reconciled to God. And he does so reminding of the wonderful gospel message summarised uh, so, so, so wonderfully in verse 21. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And he carries on this in, in chapter 6, our chapter this time, uh, with a sense of urgency. Working together with him then, we appeal to you, Not to receive the grace of God in vain. So, in a way, he's evangelizing the church. Uh, It seems that there are some amongst the group uh, Corinth who he wonders whether really they've they've got right with God. They're certainly not acting as though they are right with God. He fears that the message of the grace of God to them has somehow been in vain and is not taking effect. So I speak to us as a a church and congregation this evening. And many of you are members, and uh, many of you are regular churchgoers, and and I hope that you're on board with the gospel Uh, You answered some questions if you were baptized, which indicated that you trusted in Jesus alone as your Saviour. You turned from your sin to God. You answered those questions, but I'm asking you again this evening. Is that how it is? Is that, has that proved true? Is that, was that genuine? Is it real? Is that how things are living out? Because I'm not daft enough to think that, that everybody who enters a, a church building or who is on some list of membership is, 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 is living as a Christian and is not wandering from the truth. So maybe this evening is a message to you to get right, to be reconciled to God, to hear the gospel personally for yourself in a fresh way. Others are back on track. Uh, do you need to be back on track? That's a question for us this evening. And the matter is not, the matter is urgent. Paul's not saying put it on your agenda for the, the, for the new year. No, in, in verse 2 he carries on in this way. For he says, quote in Isaiah, in a favourable time I had listened to you and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favourable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The 10th of the 10th, isn't it? The 10th of October. Let this be the day when you get right with God, when you're reconciled to God, when you're back on track, trusting clearly in Christ his death and his righteousness and living for the Lord Jesus so maybe you need to hear that this evening in many ways you can't go on to the other points until this point is sorted get right, be reconciled to God and then he carries on in this chapter and we can say of the next bit, get real get real Get real ministry and get real about what the Christian life involves. Now the, the people at Corinth, they seem to have a problem with Paul and his ministry. And this was because they had an unreal, an unbiblical view of what ministry was about. But they can't blame Paul. Paul has put no obstacle in the way in which he has conducted himself. Verse 3. We put no obstacles in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. They had behaved as servants of God in all good conscience. Verse 4. But as servants of God we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance they needed to recognise what true ministry was and they needed to receive it. They needed to realise that Paul the Apostle was authentic, a teacher of Christ and that his Gospel needed to be received and welcomed. And what follows are seven packed verses. Seven packed verses. As he describes how how he and his team had served the Corinthians. And it it could do with a lot more time than we're doing this evening, so I'm just going to sort of mention it really, but maybe you might want to come back to it yourselves. There are three lists of nine things in these seven verses, if you take the endurance word as an introductory word. He's saying that genuine ministry involves struggles. Don't be surprised that I've struggled. Genuine ministry involves struggles. And so we have in verses 4 to 5 this. In afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labours, sleepless nights, hunger. That's a description of his ministry to them, the struggles he had had. And that was real ministry. That's what real ministry often looks like. Maybe not quite to the full extent of the Apostle Paul, but it has its struggles. And then he carries on, saying that the genuine ministry really involves goodness. It involves good means being used in order to serve the Lord and to serve others. Verses 6 and 7. By purity. Purity knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. And then he comes on to his third list, which is the one actually I I think I love the most, I, i yeah, I would like to spend more on this. I think it would be good for me too. I think it would be helpful, but we can't. And that is that genuine ministry involves paradoxes. It involves paradoxes. It involves ups and downs, and the ups and downs are often together and you can't quite piece them all out. It involves paradoxes. What a thought-provoking list this is. We have this in verses 8 to 10. Through honour and dishonour, Through slander and praise we are treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Now if you're in ministry, if you're in service, if you're in Christian service in some way, not necessarily paid Christian service, if you're in Christian service some way, it might help you, this list, to think about what, what service and ministry is like. Genuine service and ministry. Yes, there are struggles. That is real, that's authentic. Yes, there should be integrity in those different ways. Yes, there will be ups and downs. It was a, a phrase coined, I think, by previous Prime Minister in the 60s and 70s, Harold Wilson, that a week is a long time in politics. And today they say that a day is a long time in politics. So much happens. Well, I find that a week is a long time in Christian service. I find a day is a long time in Christian service. I find that sometimes I can hear of one thing in the day which lifts me up greatly with a tremendous sense of praise and elation and by the end of the day I feel thrown down with things that really concern me and discourage me. And you've probably felt the same. That can be in a week and it can be in a day. There is a sense in which ministry to others is a roller coaster of ups and downs and paradoxes so maybe it encourages you just to see this real list of Christian service but also when you're looking for the real thing when you're looking for if you like ministry uh, teaching, influence which is authentic and from God based on his word well this list helps again, this is what Christ-like ministry is like this is what apostolic ministry is like, if you're looking for pristine, uh, perfect specimens of ministry, no problems in life, glossy reputations, everything seems seamless, then you're probably looking at the wrong people or you're probably not looking very deep. If the ministry has something of the middle list about it, with all those qualities and means which are God-approved, then then God can bless you through it, uh, despite some of the struggles and ups and downs of the team involved in delivering the ministry. So they needed to get real in their understanding and expectations of Christian service. And through that they would listen more fully to the Apostle Paul and his God-approved gospel. Thirdly, his message to them is, get open, get open. Verses 11 to 13. Let me read those verses. We have spoken freely to you Corinthians, our heart is wide open, you are not stricted by us but you are restricted in your own affections, in return I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. So there was debris on the track, uh, if you like there was a blockage in the pipe, And it's a job sometimes, isn't it, for plumbers to find where a blockage is in the pipe, which is stopping the flow of what needs to go. Well, as we come to the situation at Corinth, the blockage wasn't at Paul's end. It wasn't his side of the situation and the relationship, verse 11, at the start. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, our heart is wide open. The blockage was at their end, verse 12. You are not stricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. So the question for us to think about here is, is there a blockage which is stopping you grow as a Christian? Are you restricted in some way in receiving God's truth? Is there not enough oxygen getting into your lungs, if you like? I had uh, a new experience when I had uh, COVID over Christmas. I uh, was very kind of them, actually. Saxonbury House um, uh, asked me to collect this little device which was going to test my sat levels, the others didn't get it I think because I was in a vulnerable category and over 50 male I got the device and well, they could use it but it came to me anyway and uh, I had to regularly test my sat levels I wanted to test how much oxygen was getting through, was there restriction was there concern which would need further treatment So rather tentatively in some of the days I was testing my SATs to see it needed to be 95 plus else there might be concerns. I was seeing if there was restrictions in my head which were of concern and which would affect my health. Well, what are your spiritual SATs like? Is there a restriction in God's truth getting into your life and helping you and blessing you? Is there a tightness? Do you need to open up to the Lord? You need that sense of mean-spirited restriction uh, to be dispersed. Do you need things to flow again? Perhaps it needs an openness to good influences. You started to shut people out, to close, to push them away. You stopped the flow of truth coming towards you and certainly coming into you with any freedom. The defences are up. And they, they needed to get open. And, and maybe that's what, what we need to do, get, get open to God's truth and to those who will bring it to us. Hence, you'll get to seven, verse two. That, as I say, is all interconnected. But the next chapter, Paul starts in verse two. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have taken advantage of no one. Get open. And then, as we go further into the chapter, we could summarize the next bit. Get unhooked get unhooked Um, 14 to 16 especially in verse 14 the imagery changes Why, why were some of them not progressing why were they not going forward and it's because they were badly hitched up they were badly hitched up they had unhelpful partnerships there was, the word, there was a bad yoking, an unequal yoking, so a yoke uh, puts two animals together, they're to unequally yoked, uh, they're not, it's not the right size, it's not appropriate for those two to be yoked together, it won't work very well, it'll be uh, rough on their necks, it's just not a ticket for success, an unequal yoking, you need to yoke uh, something suitable, something similar for it to work well. And he comes on to that in verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now these verses have often been used to warn against close, the closest relationships with those who aren't Christians. And the principle is here It is right to to apply it along those lines. Some are, are converted when they are married and they have an unbelieving spouse. And in that situation they look to the Lord for help. There's guidance in 1 Corinthians 7 and 1 Peter 3. They seek to live as godly as they can in that situation. But whereas a believer, you're in a position to choose to make your closest relationship and friendship with someone who's heading in a different direction is bound to cause problems. If you're heading on the pathway to marry a non Christian when you're a believer, And it's hard to see how that will honour the Lord or be spiritually healthy. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about believers marrying in the Lord with another believer. Talks about Peter being free in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 5 to marry a believing wife, a wife who's a sister, somebody who's part of the family of God. So it is relevant to... Uh, to to that area of life, and not just romance, but dominant friendships, choosing dominant friendships where the person is dominating you and influencing you strongly with somebody who's not a believer. it be uh, it's an and it's not going to help. And you need you need to to think it through, and you need to get unhooked. So it applies to a a wide range of situations, but it doesn't seem that here the direct case is of those particular wrong romantic relationships. It it, it makes sense for it to realise that directly here that they were still affected by the bad influences coming from these false teachers at Corinth. They were still meeting up. They were still reading their websites, if you like. They were still reading their books. well, it has a, has a bad hook-up, if you like, done, done you damage. Uh, is there a need for a, a clear break? How, how could they carry on in this way? Paul throws down five very challenging questions to them in verses 14 to 16. It carries on, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? That's with worthless things, idols. Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? They needed to get unhooked from those partnerships, those associations, those influences, those things that they were coming under. Do you need to unhook yourself from some influences that are hampering you, that are dragging you down? Maybe religious. Maybe old friends. Maybe a wrong relationship. I've seen Christians who were doing well and all seems to go flat and go backwards and then you find out there's a new relationship and it's with, not with somebody else who's following Jesus. Yes, if something's deeply involved, you, you might well need to seek the, the wisdom of a good advisor, a godly person to talk through how you handle a situation. Some of these things can't, aren't always easy maybe the situation is more straightforward and there's an unhooking, a decisive action which needs to occur and perhaps that's so key towards getting back on track and full steam ahead and lastly we could say the last point is get clean get clean, this is Chapter 6, this is verse 16 as well, that's one of these bridge verses and it it uh, flows over to the start of chapter 7. Well as well as warnings, which were there on those five questions, weren't there? There are promises to encourage that unhooking, that clear devotion to the Lord and they come from verse 16 onwards. In verses 16 to 18, Paul weaves together a a tapestry, if you like, of Old Testament quotes. There are several Old Testament quotes together as encouragements to pursue the new direction. So many Bibles are indented to show they are quotes. Let me carry on part way through verse 16. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them. And walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. He's moved from the, the yoke imagery uh, to think of uh, the temple. Uh, God's dwelling place in the Old Testament Um, the the church fulfillment of the temple in the New Testament or one of the fulfillments Uh, the place where God amazingly dwells his presence in the life of the church and in the life of individual believers and God's presence in the church and in the life of of the believers, that wonderful fact that through the Holy Spirit He dwells in His people is a real motivation to be different. It's a real a real motivation for purity and cleanliness. So chapter 7 verse 1, since we have all these promises beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Presence of somebody special leads to a, a cleaning up. I think of when you have visitors, important visitors, there's sometimes a bit more action going on, isn't there, in advance of them coming. Perhaps you're into Downton Abbey or you were into Downton Abbey. Maybe you've heard of or even seen the movie set in 1927 and the the house um, receives notification of a royal visit. King George V and Queen Mary are announced as coming to visit Downton Abbey. The Earl of Grantham uh, reads out the exciting news from a letter and it's actually based on a real royal letter sent to the Earl and Countess of Harewood, of Harewood House. And uh, this letter is read out to those who are workers at the Abbey. And then things start to happen. They're, they're keen to make it especially clean. Everything must gleam and shine, says the housekeeper, Mrs Hughes. And off they set, working hard on the furniture, on the crockery, on the glassware, to shine the pots, ready for the visit, the royal visit, because somebody important is coming and so we need to be clean. Well, we don't have a royalty coming Uh, to visit, but if we're believers the Lord dwells in our lives and in our hearts and there's a reason for a clean up job we want it to be fitting for him are there unclean things in our lives that we're content with are there things that are dirty if you like when the, the king is somebody who dwells in his people's lives, is there, is there moral dirt which is unsuitable for God's presence? Moral dirt in mind and habits and practices. He picks up this in the first letter of the Corinthians, one Corinthians 6 and verse 18 flee from sexual immorality every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God you are not your own for you were brought with a price so glorify God in your body let there be a clean up job because you are God's temple Or is there an unforgiving spirit harbouring? Clean up job. Are you a great sense of greed towards things and materialism? Clean up job. Unkind words going out. Untrue words being told. Darkness. Sons of darkness. Behaviours of darkness. Ephesians 4 uncontrolled temper? Well, we, we have, as I say, we have a bigger motivation than the king of England as it was then or the queen of England coming. We We have the king of kings who wonderfully chooses to be at home in the hearts and lives of his people. So it's time to get clean. Maybe there are things in your life your mind—you would hate for respectable Christians to see. I oh, know. I just hate them to hear that, to know I thought that, to see me do that. Well, of course, there is a bigger motivation. The Lord sees what we do. The Lord knows what we think. The Lord hears what we say. It's a bigger thing than a respectable Christian peeping in our window. And so we get then to seven. Verse 1, since we have these promises beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. There was a wobbly element in Corinth, a group at least that was struggling And maybe feel that you're part of a wobbly part here and this evening's message comes with, with help and instruction and encouragement to get back on track and for full steam ahead well may God use this chapter that we've looked at this evening helpfully in our lives as we seek to live for him let's just have a, a, a moment, a minute or so to pray in personal response and our own in quiet before we sing a very suitable closing song. Well, let's uh, sing together a great closing song. O great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart, own it all and reign supreme, conquer every rebel power. Stand to sing this. We thank you for your word, for its insight and for its faithfulness, for its challenge and for its encouragement. We pray that the things that we have heard this evening may be living in our hearts. There may be response so that we might be back with you, going forward with you, seeking to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Forgive our failings and strengthen us by your spirit, we pray. Amen.